Hi everyone, I'm Rosemarie Miller and I am backstage at the Forbes BLK Summit with Jen Prudom Booker, the Senior Manager Digital Site Experience for a Fortune 300 company. Thank you so much for joining me today, Jen. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So Jen, could you just tell us a little bit about what you do? Sure, so I work in the e-commerce industry, which is better known as shopping online, right? Um, but specifically, I support enterprises as well as entrepreneurs on building their digital presence online. So that's everything from informational, promotional value, or even just telling people who you are, right? How you communicate to the world, what your digital presence is, what's the value of your service, and who you serve. And who you serve. Yes. So what is the value of your digital presence? Sure. I mean, it's meeting an audience that maybe you've never connected with in person, right? It's the difference of being based maybe in one state and connecting with an audience, global or not, elsewhere within reach, right? Just because you have access to social media or a website presence, right? So just enhan enhancing those connection points on behalf of having some type of web presence or digital presence that you maintain. So what inspired you to pursue this path? It was the recession. <laughs> it was legitimately the recession. So I have a background in merchandising and design. And during the recession, there was just a huge opening opportunity to step into tech. And so I wholeheartedly started not just being a fashion professional, but a fashion e-commerce professional. And that's how I dove into that aspect of the industry. I started off just managing brands, all kinds of pivotal brands um, in the fashion industry and giving them access to their customers by way of their e-commerce sites. These are people who were you know, selling in stores that otherwise were not doing really well in the recession. And having web presence and a website changed all of that. You were able to recapture those sales online, build new audiences, engage and connect with them in different ways on social media. And so we just helped them fine tune how to do that. And that was at the earliest stage of my career. And I just kind of kept growing. I, I was working with brands individually as well as large enterprise companies. And it kept going. So social media is someone else's platform. This is Zuckerberg's platform, sure, largely. Sure. Is that not risky to put so much of your Basically, your income, your identity, your crab onto someone else's platform. Is this making sense? Yes, the response is it depends. Okay. Some people or small businesses really do not have the means to, to pay for all that on their own, right? Hire a developer, hire a marketer. So you're leveraging these platforms as services essentially to streamline access to all of that, right? You're also essentially paying that person to have access to millions of users. Um, in this instance, if you're talking about Meta and Instagram, we're talking about over 300 million users. To pay for that independently is, is, is a lot, right? So there is a caveat to not having a platform but you can start there, build that audience, and then maybe get them over to your newsletter, right? Your e-newsletter, get them to sign up. So now you're aggregating all that interest off of these platforms and you're pulling them into your own personal channels, right? That would be the higher goal, but you have to start somewhere to get there. You have to engage them directly and then get them committed to coming over to your own personal channel, but you have to start somewhere. So once you build that audience, so let's say, you know, I have my business page, I've built my audience, I have the 200,000 followers. Is it necessary for me to still pay for a little advertising slot on those social media platforms? Or at that point, am I good just posting my content? Depends on the intent. So if, if you're posting content solely to engage them, maybe not. But if you're paying for advertising with the intent of taking that 200,000 followers to 2 million, mm -hmm. you may want to, 
right? As long as the advertising is engaging, it's also tapping into a need, right? Not just a want, but a need. So that that person can keep coming, keep looking for you, not X out. We've all done that to a certain extent. You see an ad and you X out of it because you're just like, I'm not interested. But tapping into that interest to grow your audience, that's a worthwhile payment, you know, for that advertising. But if it's solely just to engage them, maybe not. Can you give us some examples of good advertisements that have converted viewers to customers? I think good advertisements that converts viewers to customers are authentic. It's always the folks that like willing, willingly show you how something works and they're actively engaging with it, right? Uh, we see that a lot in paid advertising. The old school version of that is on commercials where someone is actually showing you how it works and someone says, ah, I see how that solves my problem versus something that's maybe a little bit more uh, inauthentic or um, a form of artificial design, right? It really depends on what the product is, but I've noticed that the most authentic engagement with customers is high, high in conversion, high in opportunity. So, uh, you know, Gen Z is different from millennials. And totally. Like how we consume content and what we think is authentic yes. versus what a millennial yes. thinks is authentic. Could you talk about that, that shift? Sure. I think the shift boils down to they're consuming things very quickly. And a lot of it is hyper engaged in digital touch points. So music, visuals, right? And as long as it's something tangible, they will engage with it. Um, that's where you kind of start seeing artificial intelligence or even metaverse being of interest. It doesn't have to be a real person for a lot of generations, but you do have that generation that says, uh-uh. I want to see or I want to speak, see or talk to a real person and that's a that's a generational thing right I think with Gen Z they don't mind if it's some type of even like an avatar of somebody you see that a lot in gaming right so it really just depends on the level of conviction and trust that they have in the method you have one generation that mixed feelings about avatars and engaging with that to buy a product and you have another generation that says we don't mind if it is the digital version of yourself or a metaverse version of yourself as long as I actually get what I want and get that kind of responsiveness whether it is someone who uh, buys an emoji and puts a crown on you as a filter right people want that receptiveness to whatever they're buying into and feel good about the decision that they made. Well, Jen, I know that you do other things as well. We were talking before this interview yes. started about the nonprofit, and I do want to mention that. Sure. Tell us about it. So I work for a nonprofit called One Step Initiative, and it gives opportunities to high-risk youth that don't have access to study abroad opportunities. The reason why that's important is because working as an e-commerce professional and a digital professional, I've had opportunities afforded to me to where I could go abroad and work abroad. Uh, the first point of doing that is really by having a passport. And the reality is, is we have kids in the United States that don't even have access to a passport. And so we want to make sure that not only do they have job opportunities here, but if they want to go abroad, right, and study in Japan or work in Japan or work in Ghana, they can do that by first having their passport and learning how to be a global citizen. And why Ghana? Ghana specifically has a really close, uh, I want to say, uh, historical and heritage connection to the founder of our organization. His name is Brian Booker. And one of the things that we've really looked to do is go to a place and space where they're investing in entrepreneurialism. They're investing in uh, being an expat, right? They understand that there are people who are interested in coming from the United States that not only want to learn, 
about Ghana, but want to, you know, travel there because they have job interests, right? That want to invest in new economies. Um, today, I know that there's a part of the summit where we're talking about investing in Africa. Well, how do you do that? And I feel like Ghana has done a really great job, the tourism agencies and the like, of tapping into students, entrepreneurs, saying, hey, come and invest with us. Join us and learn about those opportunities. Learn how you can actually live and work in Ghana and establish a life here. So those level of connection points have made it really easy to have partners there that uh, support that effort. You know, I, I love that you guys do that because we don't always think of places like Ghana when we're thinking right. about those opportunities. Yes, think global, you know, or even just they have enterprises no different than we do have, we have here, you know, they have Google there, you know, there was a, a Twitter office at one point in time now called X yeah. uh, there. So they have growing economies of interest that you could live and work here for a company, but what if they said, hey, we'd like you to do a special project for us there. How do you go about doing that if you don't even have a passport as a starting point? So we work with the kids in understanding how to be a global citizen, but also to prepare yourselves workforce development that might not just be here in the United States, it might be elsewhere. It might be elsewhere. It might be elsewhere. Yes, indeed. Yes. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Jan. No, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Absolutely.